0: This morning, we're going to be looking at uh, John chapter 17. You'll turn your Bibles. We're going to be starting in verse 20, and we're going to go into 24. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you and me. That they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask um, that you would just, uh, presence would be here, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, we would come together as the body of Christ in unity, especially in a time of such chaos. Lord, I pray that we would be strong and that we would set the example for you. For you. Lord, I ask these things in your name. Amen. So let me ask you guys this. How many of you are siblings or how many of you know siblings? Like on um, like, pretty well. All right. So how many of you have ever fought with a sibling or a family member and you were arguing for like 15, 20 minutes? And somewhere in that argument, you realized you agreed on the same thing, but you were too stubborn, so you kept fighting anyway. And then how many times did you get in an argument with with, with a family member, and you guys were almost, like, ready to hit each other, and then, like, all of a sudden, one of them, one of you was like, let's sit down and watch a movie, and you were like, okay. (laughs) Now, this happened with my older brother sometimes, but this more happened with my twin brother, Aaron, who, in case you can't tell, is the guy that looks just like me. Um, We got in arguments on a regular basis but we had this tradition and we didn't know it was a tradition it was just kind of something that we did where like every Saturday we would sit down and watch a movie together but we would like argue about which movie to pick and then what's even worse was we would like didn't know the title of the movie so we would describe it to each other but we described the same movie in different ways so we would be arguing for like 20 minutes about the same movie and then we'd be ready to like hit each other and we're like oh it's the same movie and we're like oh okay let's just watch that and then we're like totally fine like very emotionally like up and down for like 20 minutes you know, if you think about it, that's a lot It's a lot like how we interact with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We don't like to think that brothers and sisters in Christ are like family, but that's the whole point. That's why we use the term brothers and sisters, because we are family, united. We come here every Sunday as family to worship our Father in heaven. So in this passage, um, Jesus is um, praying to the Lord, and I want to point out in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as the father or you are in me. So he's saying, Lord, I'm not asking these things just for the disciples or the people here on the earth. I am asking these things for everybody who will believe so we can have the confidence and the security and knowing that Jesus was praying for us on earth before we were even thought of, right? So he's, he's caught, he's calling out to us even back then in his word. So when we talk about unity, let's first look at the misconceptions of the faith, of unity in Christ, right? So I'm just going to tell you, when I, when I grew up, my family listened to three types of music, and it varied on which parent was driving the car. So if my dad was driving the car, we either listened to old country music or 80s rock music. And if my mom was driving the car, we either listened to old country music or casting crowns. And those were the three options that we had. Now I like other genres nowadays, but those three genres are still my favorite ones. Casting Crowns isn't a genre, but I think it's the best. So um, there's a country song by a guy named Brad Paisley. It's called Crazy Christians, and the idea is that he's he's coming at it from the perspective of a non-believer looking at the body of Christ, right? So in, in the in the song he says things like, uh, There are those crazy Christians driving down my street getting their daily dose of guilt while well, they head to Applebee's. Now, like when I first heard this song, my family was coming home from Applebee's on a Sunday afternoon. So it kind of, you kind of put your head down and you're like, oh, I am that stereotype. But later on, as the song is going on, he's talking about all these different aspects of believers do, you know, they fly out to different distant countries and sacrifice themselves in the name of Jesus. And he ends the, the song with saying, you know, you know, it's, it's crazy, but if I ever needed help, I would call those crazy Christians. And you know, people have these misconceptions about faith and people have these misconceptions about our beliefs, but really we should be the example of when it comes down to it, people should say, we want to go to them because they seem to know what's going on and understand we don't know what's going on. Jesus knows what's going on and he works through us to interact with those people. So we need to humble ourselves enough to do that. So we're talking about the might of unity. It's talking about there is power in fellowship because it's only possible through the Holy Spirit. So we've been going through, we've been, we have small groups here at our church and we, the, um, everybody meets on a weekly basis and they go through a study and they interact with each other and live life together and that's what we're called to do. We're called to be in fellowship with one another. And it takes a lot more than just sitting down and watching something on TV. We need to sit down and we need to be intentional about what we're doing, right? When you sit down, we need to be in fellowship in, in a, in a Christian behavior. Because people people pay attention. People notice, you know? People, non-believers that hang out will notice a difference between a fellowship study time with believers because it's not thank thank the Lord. It's not us that makes the difference, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference for the group, right? So when we meet and we're in fellowship and we're in unity and we're working together, God is glorified. Way more than beside ourselves. Together we are more powerful, right? Now, we're talking about the power of unity and the misconceptions of faith, but really, what is unity? What does that mean to be together, be intentional, be with the body of Christ? So we're going to be talking about a prescription for unity, and it's an acronym for unity. So the first one is that we're going to uplift one another. It is critical that we uplift one another. You know, recently, um, I got engaged to a very beautiful woman who's sitting right over there. Her name is Jen Correaleo. And she is wonderful. And we have been going through um, premarital counseling for the last couple of weeks. And um, our premarital counselor, my mentor, um, said this to me. And I think it applies not just for marriages, but for the body of Christ as well. He said, if you two are focused on each other, then your needs will be met. And I think that applies to us here in the Christian church. If we, if we solely focus on the needs of other people in our church, we will not only be serving the Lord, but our needs will be met as well without even thinking about it, right? Sometimes when we want things, we get selfish, but being selfish hinders us from the things that we can get, right? Because if we're reaching out and helping each other, then somebody's going to come around and help us when we need it. And it's not its not exactly because we're fallen people, but that's something we should strive towards. So we're talking about uplifting, but there's also need. We have been given the glory. Jesus represented that glory and the wholeness of God. And when he died on the cross and the Holy Spirit became part of our lives, we now represent the wholeness of God together. That's why we're called the body of Christ. There is a need out there that we need to see. Let me be clear. Yes, people by by a miracle will walk through the doors of Cornerstone Church and we can reach out to them there. But we shouldn't be sitting here in our chairs waiting for them to walk through the door and then speak to them, right? We need to be going out, bringing them here, and then talking with them. I think we kind of get confused on that a lot, is especially for me, where you you think when people walk through the church that it's something that then I can serve. When somebody new comes into the church, then I'll reach out and talk to them, and then I've done my deed for the day, and I can go home and go to Applebee's and take a nap. Um, but we need to be on a regular basis throughout the week, not just on Sundays, but going out to our workplaces and our friends and our families and bringing them to church. Because it's only then that, we, that we're able to work together in the body of Christ. So there's a need. So there's we have to uplift each other. There's a need that we have to recognize. And then there's integrity. Integrity is a state of being complete and unified. You know, Christ, we're called the body of Christ. We have to live like Christ. It's a very simple phrase, but we tend to forget it a lot. Christ lived a perfect life. Christ was humble. Christ um, was a man of principle. Christ was a man of integrity. And if we are not intentional on having integrity, we are hurting the unity of the body of Christ. Matthew 6, 24, it says, "God." Jesus says specifically, you can't serve two masters. And really what he's saying is, you can't, you are either for me or you are going against me. And that's a hard thing for us to recognize. We are either working towards the body of Christ or we are actively trying or we are tearing it down. There's never a complacent moment in that. And I think that's a, mis- I think that's a deception from, from ourselves that we try to tell ourselves like, oh, I'm, I'm in one place and I'll wait some time. And then in a year or two, I'll hop back on the church wagon and get back to, to Sunday mornings. So we have to be very careful about that. There's also trust. Where there is integrity, there is trust. God helps us through the body of Christ. You know, a lot of times we pray to God and we ask him for help. And then people in the church come up to help us. And we say, no, sorry, I'm waiting for Jesus to help me. I don't really need your help. I was given a very interesting story by uh, one of my leaders, um, Andy Parker. And uh, I love the story. So there's this guy and there's this flood and a hurricane that's going to come in. And it's going to wipe everything out. He, this guy hears it on the news and the news guy says, evacuate, you need to evacuate now. And he's like, No. God's gonna help me, I'll wait. A cop comes by and knocks at the door and says, here, get in the car, let's get to safety. No, no, I'm gonna wait. So the flood comes in and gets to his first floor, so he runs to the second floor. A guy on a boat is rowing over and he goes, dude, get in the boat, let's go, let's go to safety, I have a boat. And he goes, no, I'm gonna wait, Jesus is gonna help me. So finally it reaches all the way to the point where he's on the roof of his house and a helicopter comes by and a big megaphone and says, you need to get on this helicopter or you will die. And the guy says, no, no, it's okay, I'm waiting for Jesus. So the flood rises, the man drowns. He goes to heaven, he sees Jesus, and he goes, why didn't you help me? And Jesus goes, dude, I sent you a cop, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. Like, what more did you want? You know, we think when when we, when we ask things from Christ, we expect it to happen the way that we want it to happen. You know, I have this line, and I say it all the time, and people that hear me say it all the time get super frustrated. And I say, just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. And uh, I think when we ask God for things, it's important to ask God for what we, what we want and what we need, but sometimes God knows better than we do, right? So we try to, we get upset about that, but when we get upset about that, what we're actually doing is we're telling God that I know better than God because I know what's best for me. We have to be very careful about that. We have to trust the body of Christ. You know, on Sunday mornings, and we all probably did it this morning when we did the fellowship, Greeting. You said you shook somebody's hand. Hey, how's it going? It's good. How about you? It's good. Great. I'll see you in there. And you walk back in. Or maybe you get specific and you go, Hey, how's your family? Good. How about yours? It's good. All right. I'll see you in there, man. You know, let me ask you this. If you walked up to somebody during the fellowship greeting and you said, Hey, how you doing? And somebody just laid out their entire life story to you, and they're like, You know what? I've been having a really bad year. It's, not only, it's only been like almost a month in the year, and it's just been awful. You know, I don't know where my kids are at spiritually. I don't know where I'm at spiritually. I'm not so sure about my marriage or what's going on, and I really need help. And, you know, financially things are down in the dumps, and, you know, for work I think I might get fired. And what would you say to that? How uncomfortable would you feel if somebody came up to you and said that this morning? I'm going to be honest. I would feel very uncomfortable because I would expect the I'm good response. And then you're like, sweet, and then you get to go sit down. We have to be very intentional about when we're talking with people. I'll give you guys another example. When I went to Moody Bible Institute, I went there for on campus for a year. Um, we go through the orientation, you meet all the new kids, and then after a couple days, the other ones come in and you meet everybody. And Let me tell you, from the first view, of pers- the first perspective, I was the only one that had problems in my faith. I was the only one because everybody else seemed to have it all together. You know, they're like jumping up and down and they're praising the Lord and like, I'm on fire and my life is great and things are great and I'm here and everything's exciting and I'm sitting here like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And then, but now I was one of those people who was, who internally thought that, but then on the outside, I was like, oh yeah, I'm great. Things are good. Things are going great and God is good and I'm on fire and everything's awesome. And let me tell you, we, by doing that, we're not just hurting ourselves, but we're hurting the body of Christ. We need to know that we're not alone in this. Because let me tell you, feeling alone in this is nearly impossible, right growing up i um, my family moved around, I've been to a bunch of different churches and i've seen I've seen churches um fall and crumble, and I grew up in a Christian school, so I've seen christian kids and and things and you know when you're an adult and you see these things happen, you think, oh, those are just people who have fallen, but they're still Good believers. When you're a kid and you don't know any different, all you think is if this is the Christian, if this is a Christian church and this is the church of God, like I don't want to be a part of it. So for a while, I believed in God, but I was kind of my own lone ranger. That's what I thought when I was a kid. I was this guy in the dark black trench coat and the hat and like riding on my horse, this believer who believed in Christ, but I was all alone and it was cool. I didn't need anybody. <laughs> Let me tell you, when we do that, without even thinking about it, what we do is we own, we put the responsibilities of God on ourselves because we're not relying on God. And let me tell you, if you put the responsibility of God on yourself, you are going to fall apart. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And let me tell you, it will happen quickly. We need to trust other believers and we need to trust that God is going to use other believers to help us. Trust is one of the most important things that we can do. It took me a long time to get to the place where I could trust other believers. And I sat down with a guy that I didn't really know. I met him at a, at a uh, camp when I was in high school. And he asked me how I was going. And at this point, I was just fed up. So I just laid out everything for him and how mad I was. And he looked at me. He's like, all right, all right. He's like, so you don't trust people. I can't really deal with that. Do you trust God? Yeah, yeah, I trust God. No, do you really trust God? Yeah, yeah, I trust God. Well, then you should trust God enough that he's going to use people in the world to help you. And that took me a long time to understand what he actually meant by that. And what he, what he was talking about is we need to come to a place where we can trust God because God is going to work through the body of Christ. Now, God there, God may, if he wants to, come down on a cloud and give you exactly the direction of what you want to do. It's probably not going to happen. Trust me, I've prayed that multiple times. No clouds parted. It was kind of depressing. But people come into your life, right? God brings people into your life that help you through these things. When I was in high school, I had no idea where my where my life was going. I had no idea what direction it was. I didn't want to follow believers. I didn't really want to do anything. So we went to a church called Village Bible Church and Aaron and I told each other that we were never going to go. We were going to go one week and we were never going to come back because we were done. And then they handed us a book and they gave it to us for free and we felt so guilty that we took it for free. We felt like we had to stay for the whole session. So we came back multiple weeks after to get through the book and then we would go. But then we ended up liking it, surprisingly. (laughs) You know, God put people in our lives, in Aaron and I's lives, to lead us to where we are today. I wouldn't be where I am without Christian believers, God putting Christian believers in my path. So we need to trust that God is going to send people. And not only that, on the flip side, we need to trust that God is going to use us to help other people. You know, we think all the time, yes, God's going to send people to help me. Great. Somebody needs help. Sorry, I'm waiting for somebody to help me first. I'll get to you when I'm done. No, no, I can't help you with that. I'm, I have my own problems. So wait, I'll, let me deal with my problems and then I'll help you with yours. You know, we need to be help, we need to be helping people on a regular basis because let me tell you, when you help people, God uses those moments of you helping people to heal you as well. There are times where people have come to me saying that they have these problems, they're going through these things, and as I'm talking to them, the Holy Spirit is talking through me and I'm saying things that I would never would have said and I'm like, wow, that really applies to me right now. And it happens a lot. Or I'm saying something and Jesus is like, why don't you do that? And I'm just like, no. Oh. <laughs> right. So we need to trust, one, that God is going to send people to help us, but that we can go out in faith and know that we are going to help people through Christ. Now, again, we need to be careful not to put the responsibility on ourselves because as soon as we put the responsibility on ourselves, we are almost saying that, God, you don't know what you're doing. Let me take the reins. Let me, let me, let me handle this. And again, let me tell you, you will break apart. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We need to be relying on God and together we can rely on each other. So we talked about uplifting each other. We're talking about the need that we need, the need of others that we need to see. The integrity that's involved in being like Christ. Talking about the trust that we need to have with one another. And we need to yield to Christ. We need to submit ourselves to Christ To be a part of the body of Christ. You know, I love how we say we have to rely on Christ on everything, and it is literally everything. We have to rely on Christ to rely on Christ, right? The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to rely on Christ. That's how much we need Him in in, in moments of, of struggle. When we yield to Christ and we yield together as one, that's when Christ works. It's when everybody wants to do their own thing and everybody has a, has a better idea than everybody else and we're all trying to do our own things and we're stubborn and believe me, I'm preaching this more to myself. <laughs> we, we focus more on ourselves and say, okay, I think this is better. God's going to work through me. God's going to do this through me. Sometimes we need to just take a step back and be still and know that he is God. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes we overthink this way too much. Sometimes we think, well, I got to do this, 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 and this. And then you think 20 steps ahead. You know, my mom always told me growing up, you have to take the next right step. Because if you worry about 20 steps from now, you're not focused on what's going to happen next. God is 20 steps ahead. Let's focus on the next step that we have in our own lives. So we need to submit to the Lord. You know, if you go back in the in the verse and you go back to verse 11, John 17, verse 11, Jesus says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is saying, Lord, I am, I am going into heaven. I am not going to be here physically forever, but they are. So Lord, give them your name so that way they may be one like me and you. So we, as the body of Christ represent the relationship between the son and the father. And that is powerful when it's unified. It's when we're divided, when things can't happen. Like I said before, I listen to only country music, eighties rock, Casting Crowns. And I memorize, I I literally know every Casting Crowns song that's out there. Every single one. Not because I sat down and intentionally want to listen to it, but my mom played it so much in the car, like we kind of just singing along to it, and like now we've, since I was like six years old. And I love Casting Crowns now, so don't get me wrong, it's great. Um, In their first album though, there's a song, it's called If We Are the Body. And the lyrics go, it says, If We Are the Body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? Why aren't his feet going? And why is his love not showing that there is another way? And Jesus is the other way. You know, when I was younger and I sang that song, it was just because my mom was playing it in the car and I knew the lyrics and I thought I had a great voice and it was awful. And my mom loved me in some way that it was great. um, But as I got older, I really started listening to the song. I think it's one of my all-time favorite songs because it's a constant reminder for me. To know that if we are the body of Christ, why aren't Christ's arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his feet moving? Why aren't we doing something? Like I said, we are not. We shouldn't just sit here in our pews and wait for somebody to walk through the double doors of Cornerstone Church, and then we can reach out to them. Jesus didn't sit in the, in the temple and wait for people to come to him. Jesus went out into the streets, and yeah, people judged him for it, but he did it anyway because he loved them. If we're Christ-like, we need to have the same passion and the same love as Christ did. So let me ask you this, if we are the body of Christ, why aren't his arms moving? Why aren't his hands healing? And why aren't his words teaching? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that uh, you would just give us a, a desire and a passion just to be unified, Lord. Lord, we, want, we have a desire to be closer to you. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to trust one another. Lord, I pray that we would be able to work together as the body of Christ and God, that you would help us with that, because we can't do it alone. And Lord, I ask that as we move forward in boldness, that you would protect us, both physically and spiritually. And that if we're in times of sadness and sorrow, that you would um, send somebody to step in and to help us through the time. And Lord, that we would be able to help others through the time as well. Lord, I pray you would give us a boldness and a desire to work together to reach out to you, Lord. And it's your name I pray. Amen.